0: Additional terms and conditions apply. I'm Michelle, recovering yeller, control freak, and perfectionist. I didn't want to be a connected parent, but my strong and smart oldest daughter would not succumb to my bribes, threats, and manipulations. After years of controlled parenting, I threw it all out and started over. I doubled down on the idea of connective parenting and turned in time out for time in. It's taken me years to figure out how to unknot sticky situations without using punishments, but I've finally cracked the code and now I can help you create the relationship with your child that you dreamt of having when you first decided to become a parent. It's not easy letting go of star charts and bribes, but you can change. Listen in as we interview parents just like us who found success and hear from experts who will help us better understand how to form a deep bond with our children. Welcome to the Peace and Parenting Podcast. Welcome to the Peace and Parenting Podcast. I'm Michelle, and I have a most lovely guest today, the founder of Hand in Hand Parenting, Patty Whitfler, and I attribute all of my shifts in the way in which I parent to hand in hand and to their tools and it's where I've been trained and I just have a lot of admiration for Patty and all the deep work she's done. So welcome to the Peace and Parenting Podcast.
1: Thanks a lot Michelle. I'm also honored to be with you. You've really taken what you've learned and you've just helped many, many parents and your caring is it's really important and it makes a big difference. So thank you. Thank you.
0: That's so sweet. So Patty starts her meetings and with all of us instructors, we all start our meetings with something that's going well. So Patty, what's going well with you? I have a grandson who's 19. He's at a university and he's home for
1: spring break. So I'm going to get to go over and see him and take a walk with my son with whom we just take walks regularly so we can check in with each other. And so today is a good family day.
0: Lovely. That's so nice. Right. My
1: grandson is just a, my, all three of my grandkids, my children taught this approach to, or use this approach with them, and they are marvelous human beings.
0: Oh my gosh, that must be so cathartic to see all that happening. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah I bet. I can't wait. <laughs> so today we've decided to talk about a couple of different things, and one of them being the idea of infants crying and just how to help our infants Cry with more support. And then just what can we do when we've tried to change the diaper and we've fed the baby and we make sure no one's hurt and we still have a child who's crying and we don't really know what to do. And I think our first instinct is to shut it down. How can we get it to stop? And maybe there's a shift in thinking that we can contemplate in all of this. And Patty's going to give us a little insight.
1: I'll try to be as brief as I can, but what we need to know is that children cry when there's something wrong. Of course, they're hungry or, you know, their big brother just stepped on their toe or in in my case, when I had an older one and a younger one, you know, I was nursing the baby and his brother threw a tennis ball across the living room and hit him right in the head. (laughs) It's like a child cries for that reason. But that Children use the emotional healing process of crying when things are going well, when you are connective, when they need to vent the hardships of being small and not knowing what's going on all day long and not being able to control very much of anything. We think of infancy as a blissful because we would like to lie down and be held all day and be cooed over <laughs> But we know what's going on around us, and our babies mostly don't. They have so much to learn. And there is a point during the day where your mind just cannot process one more novel thing happening. And many parents of infants know what time of day that is. For some children, it's just waking up in the morning, and it's like, wait a minute, I don't think I can handle this day and they begin to wail or maybe it's as the case with my oldest, you know, five o'clock in the afternoon. It's like, there's just, I have to let go of some of these feelings. I cannot think unless I do. And our role there when, and to help yourself calm down so that you can be present with your child if they need to offload and Mm -hmm. get rid of emotional tension a good idea is to make sure they're fed at four thirty, so you're not worried about them starving to death Smart. You know, change in advance of what the usual crying jag you make sure they have food you change their diaper you put on some soft music to keep yourself from going bananas while they're crying and then when they begin to cry, and you can identify nothing wrong, or the things that are wrong are they've got gas. Some children have a lot of digestive difficulties early mm-hmm. in their lives, and that's not something you can do anything about right then yeah. and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can check if broccoli causes that, or you know, when you eat the broccoli, they get the gas or something like that. But in the moment, they're in pain. It will go away. There's nothing you know, drastic going on. So your job as long as you know that there is no acute difficulty is to be their anchor. Your job is I'm right in to say things like I'm right here sweetie and to use eye contact and hold them or sit up on your bed with a pillow behind your back and bend your knees and just put them on your knees so you don't have to hold them you can Hold their hands, you can, you know, put your finger in their little their little grip, see them full on, you're right there, eye to eye. And they may not look at you at all, but it really makes a difference if Mm -hmm. when they do peek their eyes open to see if anybody's still there. You're there and you're looking like you are sure that things will get better. You are sure that they can get through this. Like you pour in your caring and your confidence in them to do this process of getting rid of the emotion. Mm -hmm. They keep pouring out the bad feelings until they feel better. Yeah. Often it's a whole hour. Like babies are not thinking about, gee, you know, my mom gets tired when she listens to me for five minutes. They get to know you, but they are doing their best to be a good mammal and get rid of inner tension so that they can digest their food better so that they can sleep well tonight so that they can come bounce back and be able to process all of the novel things that are going to happen between now and bedtime.
0: Yeah, it's so interesting. Do you think that when a child can process these whatever it is going on for them, that they are able to sleep better, that they are able to feed better, that they are able to function better? In a way, you can see the difference in a child
1: better when they're older than you can in a baby. Mm -hmm. The baby will look, you know, for instance, if you, one of the things we recommend is that parents give their baby special time every day. Mm -hmm. There's a time, maybe a couple times every day when you just sit down and say, okay, I'm here for you for five minutes and you just make eye contact, and you can coo at your baby, but you don't want to talk a whole lot. You don't want to give their mind something that they have to really be busy at processing. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, beautiful girl. And then you smile, and then your baby moves her arms. Oh, you're moving your arms. You know, oh, if you want, you can push against my belly. Go ahead. Just a little bit of talk, but mostly full-on presence. And then after five minutes, okay, sweetie, I need to go make the lunch now for your big brother. And that sort of helps children know that you want to attune to them, Mm you want to be with them, even though you have a busy life and many things are happening. And sometimes during a longer special time, or when they get used to these short special times, they'll look at you and they'll be peaceful. And within about three minutes, their faces will start to scrunch up. And they'll start to act very uncomfortable and they sort of move their bodies around and begin to fuss. And if you go, yeah, if you want, you can tell me all about it. I'm still here. Tell me more. Mm-hmm. Sorry, it was hard. Mm-hmm. What's happening is that they're using the you shining the light of your presence and your listening as a counter to... The hurt they carry inside from birth or trauma or just the everyday challenge of keeping up with everybody and everything that's new. Yeah. And so when you pay warm attention, I've seen this happen over and over again. If you're relaxed, your baby will check you out, check you out, check you out, check you out, and then go in and begin to cry. And that means that there's nothing wrong, nothing just happened. They're just cleaning out. They're taking out the garbage. Mm -hmm.
0: And your presence is what allows that process to happen. I love how you say they're taking out the garbage. Mm -hmm. And I think we feel like they're just infants. How could they have any garbage in there? You know, they haven't even been here this long. But I think kids, little babies carry a lot of stuff with them. Well, if you were caught in a very
1: tight place where you could barely move your little finger and no one told you what was going on and it came on suddenly and you can't see or hear anybody and no one told you this was going to happen and you have no idea if it's ever going to stop and you're in there for 8 hours to 48 hours and there's all of these you know at the longer you're in there the more tension you hear you don't understand what's being said but the more tension you hear in people's voices outside and maybe there's some screaming because your mother's having a rough time and then you got pushed out and roughly cleaned and all of that and you didn't know who these people were or where you were you just landed on another planet
0: you would have some things to cry about yeah and your baby does too and that's a kind of a typical birth if you end up in the NICU or if you end up in surgery or if you end up in all of these other things that kid babies end up in, then you even I think have more that's kind of stuck inside
1: it's not easy getting here you yeah know? Plus, if your mom is under stress while you're in gestation, that stress comes directly into you and you have no idea what it's about, but you don't feel good. Mm-hmm. You, know, you feel scared. You have stress hormones running through your body. And some of the touchiest babies that I have listened to, whose mothers I've been consultant to, have been the ones whose mothers were under a lot of stress while they were pregnant for understandable and legitimate reasons. And those babies can barely sleep, you know. Yeah. Yeah. One little baby, I knew, you know, that that nothing traumatic had happened at birth, but the mom had been freaked out during pregnancy pretty much the whole time, Mm -hmm. you know, and for reasons of, I don't know, just her particular circumstances were not allowing her to feel confident that everything would go well for Mm -hmm. her mom. And for four months, that baby never slept more than 40 minutes Mm Night or day. And by the time the mom got to me, she was going absolutely nuts. She was so sleep deprived and she didn't know what to do. And the baby would not sleep unless he was held. She was spending six hours a day trying to rock this baby in a dark room all day long. And the baby still wouldn't sleep. And so now I just recommended that she spend time every day laying the baby down in their crib, but with her arms around the baby. And holding the baby's hand or touching the baby's face, just touching the baby and just reassuring the baby, I'm right here. You made it. Mm -hmm. It was rough, but you made it. You're a strong girl. And baby would cry and cry and cry. I just told the mom, you be her anchor. She's been through a lot. You be her anchor. She can't recover until she gets these really f- feelings of fright out of her system. And so good, long, crying you know, sessions would happen. And within three weeks, she was sleeping for up to two hours, which was totally revolutionary for this mom.
0: She's a wonderful young woman now. She's really... You, you know, know her now. Yeah, I still do. I wish I would have known you. That was my Esme. And I was really sick when I was pregnant, throwing up the whole time and in medical turmoil. And I think it must have totally affected her because she couldn't sleep either. And I was of the mind that I would swaddle her and shush her and do all the things that conventional parenting tells you to do. And it didn't work. And it was so exhausting and frustrating and depleting. I don't know how I made it through that, but I think there's a lot of people out there like that.
1: You just want to fix it. want to fix it now. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's so interesting that the fix is relaxing, trusting Mm -hmm. that your baby knows what they need to do. If they're crying, they're crying for a really good reason, and it's exactly the right thing. Mm -hmm. You make sure they don't have a diaper pin stuck in their belly. Yeah. (laughs) No. That's that's all you have to do. You know, offer them a little something to drink every once in a while if it's a really long thing. And just, I'm right here. Tell me more. I'm sorry, it was hard. And not very much talking, lots of just little reassurance
0: every three minutes or something. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And do you see that with this woman in particular, and this kid? Did the crying did it subside over time, and the upset subside yes. over time? Yeah. Yes. She was a little girl who had a lot
1: to work on, so mm-hmm. it was a fair amount of listening to crying. But mm-hmm. things keep getting better. My niece had got stuck in the birth canal for three hours and did not need to be, no forceps were used, but her head was banging up against her mommy's bones for quite a while. And she came out just fine. Nobody thought that this is anything, not an unusual birth in any way. Mm-hmm. And she went to daycare. They, her parents found a really good daycare. They both work. So she went to daycare when she was, I think, four months old this is when they allow that. And when she would come home from daycare, when she was about six months old, she'd sit in the high chair and her parents would be beaming at her. It's like, oh, we're all together. How are you? Here we are. Now know, we're going to eat together. And she would look at them and start screaming at the top of her lungs, just mm-hmm. ear-shattering screams. My brother got earplugs. It just was, it hurt. And she wouldn't stop screaming to just scream bloody murder. And so they asked me over and I sort of told him, you know, if she's screaming, she's frightened. She's trying to get rid of the fear. We don't know why. Mm -hmm. I didn't even venture a guess, but, you know, you don't have to know why. Pick her up, put her in your arms, find a comfortable place. Just look at her, give her eye contact and tell her, you can tell it all to me. I'm right here and stay present, and let her do what she needs to do. And so she would have, she would continue screaming and writhing and sweating and getting all red in the face. Those are all signs that a child's offloading fear. And the red in the face, I don't know, that just comes along with the trembling and the sweating, Mm. which is offloading fear. And she would just gather in all of that reassurance and his calmness and his confidence. And when she got enough of that, and she'd gotten enough off, She'd just lay there and look at him and look at him. Be the most peaceful little girl in the world. And he would just stay with her for five or ten minutes, letting her kind of gather in the safety that was all around her. And then he'd put her in the high chair and they'd have dinner. And this happened every single night for, I think, a year and a half. And we figured out, I just said, well, what do you think is all of this fear about? And together we kind of came up with, well, she got stuck in the birth canal for three hours and she didn't know what was going on and Mm -hmm. nobody could talk to her and never happened before and it wasn't working well and she didn't know if she would survive. Yeah. So that's kind of what our guess was. And one time my brother had to go on a four day work trip. And he was always the one who would hold her in his arms and put her in, you know, rock in the rocking chair and talk to her. Always, always. And the first night she didn't scream in the high chair at it. They would not hold her unless she screamed. If she screamed, they would take that as a signal she needed to work on stuff. (laughs) She didn't scream the first night. She didn't scream the second night. My sister-in-law called me and said, she's not screaming. I can't believe it. Maybe she's finished with whatever that was. The third night, she, around dinner time, she took my sister-in-law's hand, walked her over to the rocking chair, kind of indicated, sitting in the chair, crawled up in her lap, lay in her
0: arms, and started screaming and crying. Oh screaming God. and crying. Oh my gosh, she knew she needed it. <laughs> she already knew. I'm not waiting for my dad. You do this. You're going to be good enough this time. <laughs> 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 oh my goodness, That's incredible. I think that's incredible. I think that one thing that I know a lot of my clients will say is that I'm making it worse. They keep think they are making it worse by the listening because, you know, kids will kind of crescendo into this, they'll work themselves up and a lot of people are scared because they think they're creating something bad. Yeah. And
1: Understandable. Yeah, this is going in the very wrong direction. If there's any relatives around, they are looking at you with daggers. It's like, what are you doing? You are torturing your child. Yes. Give me that baby.
0: Yes. And I think it's a hard shift. Yeah, it is. But
1: when children, I was listening to a baby who'd been a preemie. And one day, the parents wanted me to listen to her. They were away for a little bit, and they really wanted me to do the listening because I knew that I understand this stuff. And the baby was crying. It was I think this baby was maybe three months old, and she was crying, crying, and I was just like, yeah, I'm right here, sweetie. Your mom and dad are going to be back. They're coming as quickly as they can. And then I changed my tone of voice to something more confident, and I said, you made it was hard, but you made it. You're a strong girl. And she just wailed. Mm-hmm. She just wailed. It's like the crying, the quality of the crying went much deeper. And there's all of this loneliness in there that all of a sudden she just sounded like the loneliest child that had ever been born. You could just hear the loneliness in there. And it came because I wasn't Oh, a little da 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 da, da. You know, I mm-hmm. wasn't weak on my end. I wasn't sympathetic on my end. I was confident. It's like, mm-hmm. you made it. Yeah. And she could almost I'm like right feel, like, oh, yeah, I, I did. I'm right with you. Yeah. Like that sound of certainty can really help children work more deeply and mm-hmm. clean out more of the hurt that gets placed in when they've been overwhelmed by them. Yeah. They
0: pay it's almost like a legitimizing experience. I would imagine to have someone say to you, yeah, I know this has been hard for you. I'm really coming with the best empathy I can. I know when I see my best friend and she's like, oh, I'm so sorry, it's hard. When she says it, I just, you know, melt. And okay. I feel like kids must feel the same in infants.
1: And I think we parents also think we need to know what happened. It's like, what is this about? You know, and you want to quiz your child or Mm -hmm. or analyze it or whatever and actually that's not so helpful Mm -hmm. what's helpful is just throwing your energy into being present and letting your child take care of the process it's like Mm -hmm. you don't have to understand the process you know you don't understand what they're working on you don't have to analyze the process you don't have to have mind meld and you can't so just be there the other thing that makes a huge difference that I really want to be sure to mention is that if your child had a traumatic experience in birth, before birth, you know, circumstances after birth, or you've been through—it's like anything your baby goes through, you have gone through too. Mm-hmm. You have a different story than they do, but it has been just as traumatizing for you, even if. You didn't have, you know, some parents don't have the quote, right feelings when they have a baby.
0: It's Mm -hmm. like they're
1: waiting to be overwhelmed with love and they have a baby and there's a trauma in there and they can't feel love at all. They're just wiped out because they lost two quarts of blood or whatever. Right. And you need a listener for your side of the experience. You can't really be confident for your baby. While you're still trembling inside and unhealed from what you went through. Oh, my God, is my baby going to make it? Oh, my God, is my partner going to leave me because this is all so difficult? Oh, my God, is this doctor somebody I can trust? I don't like what they're saying. You know, it's just we have all these experiences on our end. I remember this is sort of a minor thing, but it was major to this mom. I was talking to a mom like nine months after her baby had been born. And I was asking her, what has it been like to be a mom? And she said, well, everything was going okay. And then I took my baby in for the pediatrician visit for a week after she was born. And the pediatrician asked what my baby's name was. And I told him my baby's name. And he said, that's a weird name for a baby. Why are you naming your baby that? And Uh she was devastated. She was a person of color. She didn't speak English, you know, as her first language. There was judgment coming down on her. It was, it's hard to live in this country anyway when you're immigrant. Mm-hmm. And just during those first weeks of before and during and after birth, we moms in particular are very vulnerable. Yeah. So anybody looking at us sideways can just, you know, make a big dent in our confidence yeah. and our pleasure in our babies. And all of a sudden the feeling of love goes away. Yeah. So we need a chance to work on our feelings about what happened there. And in order to listen to our babies who are going to be wailing in ways that we were never listened to about feelings that nobody ever heard when we were their age, mm-hmm. it's going to stir up really big feelings yeah. for us. So yeah. We need someone to cry with. We need someone to tremble with. We need someone to, Tell all our doubts to who will say, You'll know what to do. Yeah. If you don't know, you figure this out.
0: And I think that's what sets hand in hand apart from so many other different approaches is that in hand in hand, and we've talked about it a lot on the podcast, there's a component called listening partnerships. And it's where you partner with just for people who are out there not coming in late, but you partner with somebody who's also trying this method and you schedule these weekly appointments to be heard and to also listen. And I cannot tell you how monumentally important that is as a parent, because like you said, we are taking the brunt of so much and we have to have a place. And if we don't, you really can't do all this work without it. Yeah, we are much more present
1: and aware and able to pick up on small cues from babies who don't have many ways of telling us what's going on. Mm -hmm when someone is paying one respectful attention to us and we to just blab or cry or laugh or whatever we need to do.
0: Yeah. And it really hones your listening skills. I think I became such a better listener when I was able to listen to adults and it helped me be able to listen to my own kids. It was just, there's so many good benefits to it. And You can find listening partners either in my private group. You can also find them through hand in hand. And I'll put links for everybody to find a listening partner. And also I'll link the booklets, which I think are one of the best tools I've ever come across the listening to children booklet set. And one other thing that really was helpful for me was infant podcast series that I thought was really good, a lot of good information in there. I've given it to a lot of my clients and I think that it's super helpful. So those three things from Hand in Hand and also Patty's book, Listen, is really good too. She's got everything you could possibly need on her website. So I will link a bunch of stuff too.
1: Yeah. The mom whose baby couldn't sleep for more than 40 minutes. There's an interview, a short interview with her on there
0: about listening to her daughter cry. I can't say. That's incredible. Any last things, Patty, we should know or anything you'd like to say? Or
1: Oh, I guess my fondest hope would be that for the parents who are listening here, that when their baby starts to cry, they would go, oh, good, I'm right here. Oh, it's an emotional poop. And you kind of want that yucky stuff out so that your baby can enjoy their life. And just congratulate yourself. You have made it safe. Your baby trusts you. Your baby knows that you want to listen. And your baby is just going for a healthier, happier life with your help. So you're doing a very powerful thing. And I hope that parents can be pleased with themselves, that they get to help their baby in a way that they were never helped. Yeah. what I can tell you is that my niece, for instance, It allows children to think. It allows children to use their minds very fully. And so Mm -hmm. that little girl, she has clerked for judges at the highest level in the United States in three different places at three different district courts of appeal. Wow. She's really a good lawyer and has been an activist for human rights since she was in sixth grade.
0: Wow. Amazing. And you helped make all that happen.
1: Her parents did all the work. I (laughs) just—you were a good coach. I was a good coach. Yeah, yeah. you were.
0: I so very much appreciate all your work, and I appreciate you coming on this podcast. And I just thank you so much for giving all that you'd give to our community. So we all appreciate you. Uh, Thank you, Michelle. Thanks for asking me. I'm so pleased to share this information. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on the Peace and Parenting Podcast. I'm Michelle, and I'll see you guys next time.